Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price and welcome to episode 100. It is a big one, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for joining me to celebrate this monumental occasion. And joining me today is my former boss, James Randazzo, the man who gave me my start in this industry. Incredibly thankful for all he did. And he came on and we chopped it up and talked some New York sports. And we also rekindled a uh, long-lasting conversation about... uh, the Jets versus the Giants. That was uh, pretty fun, and uh, overall, just great catching up with him. Great guy, and one of the best uh, this industry has to offer. And I also talked to both of my phenomenal parents as we uh, reconvened to talk about everything that has happened in this 100-episode journey and talk about what's next and uh, all things kind of ambitious. It was a really, really fun episode, really, really... Um, nostalgic episode to go back and talk to the guy who gave me my start in this industry. So I hope you guys enjoy it. It was a lot of fun for me to create. And all of that will be after our presenting sponsor, you know him, Anchor. Yo, what is up? Welcome to Ambitious. My name is Dylan Price. Today's guest is absolutely massive. He is the man I credit for my start in this industry, one of the most electrifying men in all of sports entertainment. He works for CBS and he is the founder, CEO, COO, undisputed boss of the Sports Chill. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, James Randazzo. James, how is it going? Dylan, thank you for that electric opening um i am doing very well i am currently upset that the new york yankees are not on the yes network today uh but other than that i'm doing really well uh how are you it's been a while it has been a while my first question on the list is how has it been because it i i don't know the last time i've talked to you but it has been a while um I've been doing well, you know, can't complain, just living life. How have things been, I guess, for everything in your life, I guess, to this point? Well, everything has been good, good. Um, the pandemic kind of sucked, so that was, a, <laughs> that was an awful year. But other than that, uh, everything's been good. Um, the sports show continues to grow. I've been working at CBS. I've gone from runner to researcher to graphics to basically being a director's third eye, basically running some shows, producing some shows over there. I was actually pitching to uh, Sports Illustrated today about a new concept. So, uh, you know, just chugging along. You know, it was tough during the pandemic and everything, but got to keep it straight and narrow, stay positive and stuff like that. You know, when I, to all, everybody listening to this, when I look and I'm feeling overwhelmed with, you know, everything I have on my plate, I look and I see the sports show and I see everything Jimmy's doing and I realize that he's got to be one of the hardest working men in sports between everything you do with CBS, everything you're doing at Sports Chill, and it's just incredibly impressive. So kudos to you. Thanks, brother. Thanks. And uh, yeah, no, uh, you're doing a great job as well. Um, You know, how many, this is episode 100? This is episode 100. Yes. That is insane that's uh, really impressive i'm proud of you um i remember meeting you three four years ago uh you were standing in line for a miguel and duhar autograph i had randomly was there getting christmas gifts for people and i saw you on on uh online and we kind of linked up and you wanted to start writing and get into the business so i'm really proud of like where you started and where you've come. And 
I, I, I really am just proud. It, it makes me proud that uh, you're doing and you're continuing with, with it and keeping up. So shout out to you and uh, all the hard work that you do because it's not easy to keep up with something and do every do something every single week. Yeah, well, thank you. It, it means the world. And I, I was actually going through it today to kind of reiterate the story. And it, it all really started, I mean, everything for me started at the Palisades Mall, meeting a guy who, in his own right, was a AAA prospect at the time who became the AL Rookie of the Year just a year later. So everything happens for a reason. I, that's pretty much the living proof of that. So it's it's insane how far everything has come in both you and I's lives and even in with looking at how far everything's come with the pandemic and Miguel Andujar himself now as a superstar third baseman and do-it-all player for them. Yeah, the uh, rise and fall and rise and fall of <laughs> Miguel Andujar. I mean, I thought he should have won the AL Rookie of the Year. And then, I mean, he became basically... Uh, a laughing stock uh, for Yankees fans. Obviously, he's a great hitter, just doesn't really know how to field the ground ball to save his life. <laughs> Tried him out in, in left field. Not really the best fielder. It's tough because we have Giancarlo at DH, so eventually the Yankees will probably look to trade him. But uh, it's it's tough because, you know, you find one clip of him making an error in the spring training, not even a game, just they're just down there getting ground balls and he makes an error and there's cameras and eyes all over him. Whereas, you know, if that's in Detroit or Seattle or, you know, Cincinnati, nobody bats an eye. Nobody's looking at that. And, but Yankee fans are crazy. Yankee fans are insane. That is very, very true. I think it's just part of that amplified New York media that has always been, it's either the detriment to some players' careers or it is the biggest help. I mean, looking at somebody like a Derek Jeter, who you can argue that maybe he wouldn't have been as big of a star if he played somewhere else. So it's, it's a, there's ebbs and flows to it. But uh, let's talk about the New York Yankees here. Uh, they're playing spring training right now. Um, you know, Corey Kluber's on the mound tonight. What are you thinking of the team this year and what are your expectations? Uh, so the expectations every year are World Series or bust. Um, but I do think that I think that they are about the same as last year, which basically means that they can win a World Series. I mean, you know, if it wasn't for that decision to have Davey Garcia start and then J.A. Happ come in, that whole Game 3 situation – we're looking at the Yankees in the World Series versus the Dodgers. Now, do they get it done? Maybe not. The Dodgers were filthy last year. They added Trevor Bauer this year, so it's going to be tough. But if they don't make the World Series at the very least, I will be extremely disappointed because of guys that you have. We re-signed DJ. We got um, Corey Kluber, who's pitched one, two, three, the first two innings. So he's looking sharp. And we know, Dylan, it all comes down to the health of these players. Because when the Yankees are fully healthy, there's only really one team better in the MLB that's better than them, and that's the Dodgers. But we don't have to worry about them until the World Series. So, uh, yeah, I think it's World Series or bust every year, especially this year because the American League has really taken a, a seat back uh, – you know, the White Sox and the Rays are second and third best uh, odds to win the American League after the Yankees. So, I mean, really, if we can't beat the White Sox and the Rays this year without Blake Snell, without Morton, I think 
I think it's gotta be our year. It seems like it, but it feels like you just hit on it with the health issues. It seems like every year the stars are about to align and then boom, somebody goes down, then somebody else goes down, and then somebody's having a slump of a year, and it just feels like nothing can ever go right the past few years, or then you get into the playoffs and it comes down to crucial decisions that maybe have not been made correctly, and it just seems like they can't get that monkey off their back. And I guess looking at the current roster, and you could argue this is the... I mean, not much turnover, but one of the most talented rosters they've still had in the last decade. And looking at this roster, I guess, who stands out to you as somebody who could maybe surprise this year and put up a monster year? Ooh, surprise. Um, you know, I really like what they did with Darren O'Day. Uh, so we we traded away Adovino, who I didn't like anyways, because he said those jokes about the man, the myth, the legend, Babe Ruth. Uh, but he, we got eight and a half million dollars off the books. And Darren O'Day, he's going to fit a need as a lefty specialist. So look out for him. On the batting side, we added Derek Dietrich. So, so maybe he'll make the roster. We added Jay Bruce, somebody that's going to look to surprise me. I, you know, honestly, I, I think that this might be a season where we get 100-plus games from Giancarlo Stanton. So I think that would be surprising in itself to see him because when you have a guy that's scary in the lineup um, up every single day, it doesn't really even matter if he's doing that well. It's just you're when you're a pitcher and you see Stanton, Judge, Lemayu, Glaber, Luke Voigt, uh, Aaron Hicks, kind of in the meat of that order, you get a little terrified. And that's what was so upsetting with him in the 2019 playoffs is that he wasn't going out there even just to stand there and be the DH. DH. So uh, look for him to be healthy. They've been doing a lot of yoga. Him and Judge have been screaming at them for to do that since 2016, <laughs> but finally it's paying off. Um, but yeah, as long as if if Giancarlo Stanton stays healthy, which I know is a big if, I think it's going to happen this year. I think he's going to have an absolutely huge year. Now, in talking about the uh, rest of the outfield, specifically, Brett Gardner was brought back, and Clint Frazier, it seems like, has earned his opportunity to be a starter at this point. Do you? How do you see the outfield, I guess, working out for this season with when it, in terms of Clint Frazier versus Brett Gardner? So I don't think it's really... Last year, I think it was a Clint versus Brett kind of thing. But I think this year, I think it's more of... A, Clint's going to play 100 games. But I also think that we're going to also see about 85 games from Brett Gardner. He knows his role. He knows that Clint Frazier has to excel to the next level. So he's going to play that kind of uh, uncle-dad ro uh, role. But also at the same time, he's going to come in at the end of the games. We all know that he's a better fielder than um, Clint, even though Clint was a gold glove finalist. It's crazy still to this day. But uh, so, like, yeah, having Brett Gardner on the team, we need a lefty bat in general. And, there again, there's 162 games. So when you when you do 162 times four, because, I mean, I mean, times three, you need 480 games out of those guys. And, uh, you know, we haven't been healthy as it is. And then you'll probably get 30, 40 games out of Talkman. Hopefully. So uh, I think that 
I think it'll be nice. I don't think the Yankees are like really have to uh, have it be an either or situation because again, Aaron Hicks wasn't healthy. Aaron Judge refuses to stay healthy. So I think it's going to be a mishmash of those five outfielders. I'm excited to see Gardy back for $4 million. If it was anything more than that, I'd be like, yeah, but he did well in the playoffs. He knows how to eat at the, at the pitch count uh, in October. So um glad he's back. And uh, Clint Frazier is going to be a superstar. Um, I really believe so. I mean, his bat speed is electric. So, uh, and he's improving and he's saying the right things now and he's growing up. So uh, I'm excited about that. Looking back to um, a few years ago, I mean, we're talking, I don't even know, five years ago now when Clint Frazier and Gleyber Torres were both acquired as prospects, you know, and the Yankees were really in a rebuilding situation. It seemed like, you know, they got two high potential guys. Could you have ever imagined we'd be talking, you know, five years later about two guys who are superstar potential? I mean, you're seeing Gleyber really rise into that and now Clint really becoming that and having the opportunity to step into that this year? Yeah, so Glaber is unbelievable. I don't think that shortstop really should be his position. I know it's his natural position, but seeing him at second base two years ago really was, like, unbelievable. Uh, That twin series, he was making some incredible plays. I think that um, as long as his – it's tough. His range is tough because he's not the tallest – or fleetest of foot at shortstop, but hitting wise, he's exceptional. Um, I I think he's going to be here for the long haul. Uh, their Yankees are going to have to make a lot of crazy decisions, and then yeah, seeing Clint is just honestly amazing that he's grown into this role where he is positive and he can be that guy that you can bat, you know, even fifth or and in the Yankees lineup that means. Fifth in the Yankees line is basically third in anybody else's lineup. So, uh, yeah, it's really exciting to see. And really, Dylan, when it comes when it comes down to it, it comes down to starting pitching. We can sit here and we can talk about the offense all day and uh, the defense and the, the bullpen, but starting pitching wins championships, and that's why I uh, am in love with Garrett Cole and I went to ta- – uh, all around the world screaming that I want to get a cold because it was that important to have that ace. Even though it didn't work out game five last year, he did exactly what he had to do. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. Yeah, you went on, uh, you led me perfectly in my next question here. You went on a freaking run a few, uh, just it seems like so long ago, just it seems like two years ago now, I believe it was, following the postseason when you went viral for your willing everybody to get up and went, it seemed like you were everywhere, everywhere I turned for about a solid week, it was you screaming and hollering at Yankee Stadium, and then you turned that into screaming and hollering all over to get Garrett Cole to finally sign with the New York Yankees. And it was just an electric stint to watch you on there. What was the, I guess, going viral situation like? And then, you know, your pursuing of Garrett Cole that was also very, very entertaining to watch. Yeah, sometimes, I, you know, when you, you get a little bit creative, you know, you get the creative juices going. Um, no, that's just really who I am as a Yankees fan. I, I think the most important thing when you're coming up with ideas and being creative is to be yourself wholeheartedly so I was pissed off at Yankee Stadium that nobody was standing 
And um, I, I wholeheartedly wanted Garrett Cole and Pitstripes, and that's why I did it. And I also, uh, I was on, Bill Burr was talking to me on, about me on his podcast. So uh, it, was, it was a crazy couple of weeks, couple of months, um, but there's no slowing down. It's a little bit of a hibernation mode. You don't really want to go full pedal to the metal during the pandemic either. So I, I took a step back, took a look long uh look in the mirror to see if I wanted to be the guy that continued to scream. And uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see the, what man shows up in, in April uh, at the stadium. But we know when it comes to October, I will be in the stands. I will be cheering as loud as I can. I will be getting the people going. So, uh, but yeah, I appreciate the kind words. Um, I, I really think it has to do with like what you truly believe in. I like really, that's what it comes down to. Like, what are you really passionate about? Like, I know you're a big Jets fan. Like, th- maybe you're, maybe you want to, for a content content idea. Like, maybe you really want Zach Wilson at number two. Um, you know, so maybe you go on a tirade about that. But it's something you have to really believe in, and that's really what I believe in. And I'm kind of a knucklehead too, so <laughs> it, it works out um, in that sense as well. Well, when I say one of the most electric men in sports, I definitely mean it. He, your content is consistently some of the best. But, you know, the Zach Wilson thing's pretty funny. Uh, I've shouted him out multiple times on this podcast, and I'll do it again. My co-host for the uh, Empire Sports Media Fireside Jets podcast, Brendan Carpenter, we have a consistent debate on the podcast of I champion Zach Wilson, he champions Justin Fields. And it's a consistent thing because... I want Zach Wilson in the green and white. He wants fields. And ultimately, we neither of us may end up getting our way. But it's a hell of a time. And uh, it's fun. But I wanted you to weigh in on the quarterback situation here. You know, Chris Sims released his list today. Kuyper and McShay are releasing theirs. If you have to rank it, obviously, it seems like Lawrence is the clear-cut number one. Very few people disagree with that. But behind him, how do you have the quarterbacks falling in in this year's class? So I have, um, I have Trevor Lawrence as one. Um, I haven't seen enough tape on Trey Lance. I've seen some tape on him. It's tough. I, so I, I, I'm going to, I have Zach Wilson too. We're calling him Mormon of Mahomes. I've broken down every single ounce of his tape. I think he is the real deal. Um, he, he was starting to throw the ball to Mitt Romney's nephew out there in, in uh, at Brigham Young. So I think he's going to be an electric guy. Uh, I really, really, really love Zach Wilson. So um, I even told you, and you know, I'm a Giants fan. I even Mm -hmm. said that if Zach Wilson, uh, if I told my buddies that if Zach Wilson goes to the Jets, I will get a Zach Wilson jersey and wear it because that's how much I am in love with the kid. I really think he has a talent, the wherewithal. He he's a he's a, a, a video junkie. He loves the tape, so uh, I'm really rooting for him. When it comes down to um, who else we we have Mac Jones, who I love. Uh, I think he'll probably he, he's going to go within the top fifteen. I am not a Justin Fields guy, but that doesn't mean I don't think he can be good in a right system. And then Trey Lance is the big question mark because there are people within the industry that are saying that Trey Lance may be the second best guy. Now, it's really tough when you really don't have the correct 
uh, like when you don't have all the tape on him, he's not, he hasn't played since like in, in like 12 months, he's not going to play this spring. So we don't really have a lot of tape on that guy, but a lot of people are saying that Trey Lance is going to be amazing. If I'm the jets, it's going to be really tough because you can take a Penny Sewell at two and still trade down <laughs> and get a guy. So it's going to be interesting what they do. Um, I still love Zach Wilson, though. Yeah, I've been a big, big Wilson guy. I've I've done big work on into Wilson, Jones, Fields, and Lance, and I, it's just something about him, and it's kind of something about you know when I was working with you, I broke down the guys a few years ago with Baker, Lamar, and Darnold, and something about Baker had that polarizing factor, and it's not necessarily as prevalent in the way Wilson carries himself, but something about that. It's a star kind of thing, like an allure around him. And I, I don't know how to describe it, but it's it's little things. Like you said, he's a film junkie. He's It's just the way he goes about playing the game. You can tell that he's going to be a star in this league. And I, I would hitch my wagon to that, and I hope uh, Joe Douglas and Bob Sala do. But uh, let's talk about your New York Giants here. I mean, last season ended on a rough note. Um pretty safe to say that if they had made the playoffs, I don't necessarily know how they would have fared, but it ended on a sour note. What is your expectation, I guess, going into the offseason on how they can improve the team? Oh, so they need a clear-cut number one receiver, um, whether that's through the draft or they look at um, some, like a free agent, like a Kenny Galladay. They need to improve at wide receiver and then other than that you just got to stay healthy like when your best player isn't healthy for the entire season it's kind of tough to be good Saquon Barkley adds a different dynamic to that offense and then um you got to kind of hold on to the ball and Evan Ingram even though me and him are best friends <laughs> I have to say that seven of the ten turnovers of Daniel Jones's interceptions one off of Evan Ingram's fingertips. So a few tweaks here and there um, can go a long way for the, for the Giants organization. I think they need to add a couple pieces on defense, but um, it's about, about growth and maturity and believing in trusting in Joe Judge, excuse me, who's done a fantastic job in his first season as head coach of the New York football Giants. So I love Joe Judge, and I think that you got to go get a clear-cut number one receiver. But other than that, it's like, let's see what Saquon can do. Um, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see Saquon Barkley healthy because he is, the when healthy, he's the best or the second best uh, running back in football. So I'm excited. I agree with you on that. You sold on Daniel Jones yet? Uh, no, how could you be? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um uh i am i'm there was a saying i forget who was uh, i'm i'm big on uh clubhouse right now big into clubhouse right now i i don't want to get rid of daniel jones but i wouldn't mind an upgrade so you know that the wilson news and the, the watson news is uh you know you start to like have your ears to the to the ground like oh maybe something can happen Daniel Jones wasn't healthy at, e uh, at all either. Like when you have Colt McCoy winning games for you in Seattle, um, <laughs> it's tough too. So like the Giants won six games. 
Giants fans were crazy. They hate Evan Ingram. They should have made the playoffs. Blah blah. This, that, the other thing. I I bought into that for twenty four to forty eight hours. When you win six games, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Were were they going to go into Tampa and beat Tom Brady? Probably not. So the 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 Giants have the eleventh overall pick now, and we should be thanking our lucky stars that we weren't um, Washington who left in the first round. Yeah, I, I. The NFC East is definitely wide open moving forward, and it it would be interesting to see both New York teams have some success. So hopefully they can get it together. Uh, definitely be interesting to watch. We just uh, sat down with Michael Sean Dugar. Um, this episode's coming out as I'm filming this with you later today, but uh, he was the one who published the athletic report about everything with uh, Russell Wilson, and he says Wilson's not going anywhere. But what do you think about Watson? Do you think he ends up getting his way and getting his wish and ends up out of Houston and the mess that is Jack Easterby and um, Bob McNair? Yeah, so uh, first of all, Jack Easterby is <laughs> an, a giant creep. Um, he's, he's a weirdo. I don't know how he moved up the table to become like the head running it. Uh, but he's a weirdo. Uh, Nick Casario was the guy that they've wanted since 2016. So they got their guy. It's unfortunate that their guy didn't correlate with Deshaun Watson's wishes, but everybody in the industry knew even from back when we're talking about Baker Mayfield getting drafted, Nick Casario was coming to the Texans. O'Brien wanted him. Belichick didn't want to give him away. So I think Casario is this really, really, really brilliant guy. The problem is now is the players have like basically gone, uh, gone with a mutiny. Deshaun Watson is a phenomenal football player. Will he get his wishes? I think I think he might I think he might be end up in Miami. I think that makes the most sense, especially but like I kind of feel bad for the Texans. Maybe they traded away Deshaun uh I mean DeAndre Hopkins and maybe it wasn't the right move. But also we're talking about a guy who has just got paid the second most amount of money in NFL history. So when you do something like that, it's kind of difficult for us to be like be upset about Deshaun Watson's wishes. And I think that's what's going on. These NFL quarterbacks want to be the NBA players, and we haven't trended that way yet. But in order for that to be the trend, you need to have guys like Watson and Wilson doing this. So I agree more with the whole Russell Wilson thing. I think Pete Carroll is gone before Russell Wilson. Watson, the Dolphins have a lot of uh, trade. Um, they got a lot of draft picks, so I could definitely see him going there. And a- another guy from the Belichick coaching tree, uh, Brian Flores, is my favorite non-Giants coach in football. He is unbelievable. He rallies the troops like no other, so... I would love to see Deshaun down in Miami. I think it would be great. And I think that's a team that can like snap and they could be winning the Super Bowl. That's how good Deshaun Watson is. And we're talking also about a guy who threw for the most passing yards in the NFL last year. So he's no slouch. 
He's a damn good quarterback, and hopefully, uh, for his sake, he finds a landing spot. And, you know, you you did hit the nail on the head. Part of you does have to feel pity for the Texans because what they're going through right now, not necessarily for Jack Easterby or Bob McNair, but for the rest of the organization and Casario and even David Culley. I mean, it's a tough spot to try to navigate out of, and, you know, hopefully they can. But let's switch to the NBA. You just alluded to it a little bit there, but you cover New York sports, and I don't know if there's a team hotter in basketball and in New York right now than the New York Knicks. What are your thoughts on this sudden uprise of the Knicks so first of all I think we've all been inside too much because uh I uh, the garden was popping outside of MSG I mean uh excuse me MSG was popping outside after that win on Saturday night and it was fun and uh, yeah they're playing well and I think it really all comes to comes from the top and Tom Thibodeau comes in he gets the most out of his players. He changes the culture in the locker room. Julius Randle's playing out of his mind. He was the butt of all jokes last year. The butt of all jokes. And now Knicks fans have had to swallow their pride and say, oh, maybe this guy's pretty good. They're going to probably try to extend him because they have a team option after next year. So Julius Randle's killing it. We have a guy in Emmanuel Quickly that everybody laughed at after draft night. Um, my own network was giving him D plus grades uh, for drafting him. And you got a guy drafted by Calipari who's playing out of, I mean, uh, recruited by John Calipari who's playing out of his mind uh, for Thibodeau. And yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting to see the Knicks um, do really well. And you know what? It also more than anything, what's exciting is the Nets have a big three. They have a big three. They're doing everything right in the entire world. And they're killing it. They got Harden. They won seven straight. And all New York City wants to do is talk about the Knicks because it's that's what unites the uh, New Yorkers. Some people are Jets fans, Giants fans, Yankees fans, Mets fans, Sabres fans, Islanders fans. But most people are Knicks fans. So it's beautiful to see. I'm excited for the future, um, but I am also a little apprehensive because we still got a long way to go. That is 100% true. And let's get back to you here. You know, you've talked about how you're so passionate about baseball and how you're so passionate about sports as a whole. When did you realize that this is what you wanted to do for the rest of your life? Uh, so whew, in 2015, um, I was living with my grandma, uh, rest in peace. And she was just kept on saying to me for a couple of years, like uh, it was basically getting down to her last leg. And she kept on saying like, you really got to get into this. Like, this is what you were born to do. Um, so I, you know, I started the blog and uh, got, got into it. And you know, that's what got me the job at CBS sports. Uh, and it really, it comes natural to me. Like, um, I really, even when I show up to work, it's, it's a blessing and it, it does. It just, you know, some people can just play the piano. I can just talk about sports. So it's, it's always been fun. And I'm really honored to be like, be on an, in an industry that I love so much. I think you should always follow your dreams and really do what you love. And I don't think when you wake up, and it's a Saturday and you're working and you still love it. That's how you know that you've made it. 
And, you know, I don't love to work on the weekends, <laughs> but if I do and I'm sitting there and I'm watching like an NFC divisional game or a March Madness game, um, you know, you got to count your lucky stars because there are people that are doing stuff that they don't love. And, you know, I, so I would just tell anybody to just, you know, shoot for the stars and really believe in themselves and do what they love. That's a hell of an answer. Now, you mentioned Clubhouse. You mentioned a lot of everything that you have been doing. What does the future look like for you, though, and for the sports show? Ooh, so, uh, you know, I like to be the guy that's, like, who, who's, like, here, there, and everywhere that doesn't really know exactly what's going on with me. <laughs> I, I kind of like to play a little bit of a mysterious role. Um, I am pitching a few ideas to a few places right now. Um, then I might be uh, hosting a couple segments on different places. But, you know, um, other than that, we have a pretty good team. Our golf page has been probably one of my favorite things uh, that we've done in the past year and a half. Um, we got uh, Marco over there who is doing such an incredible job at the golf chill. And um, we're, we're building a little bit of a Yankees team right now. We started um, Yankees Clubhouse, which is basically a going to be a podcast. It's going to be a whole lot of different things. So follow NYY Clubhouse on Twitter and Instagram at Yankees Clubhouse on TikTok. And uh, we're also going to get the uh, YouTube page going there. But uh, I am putting a lot of my chips in on the New York Yankees basically into, until September, October, uh, I have Yankees and uh, Knicks and Rangers guys who like to hold it down over there. And I feel like sometimes you got to go a little niche um, when you start doing things because I, th- I feel like that helps a lot. And I think my niche might be the New York Yankees. Uh, so I think I'm going to try to stick with that for now. But um, I've had some uh, contract negotiations with other podcasts that have wanted to join our network. Um, there's a few girls podcasts out there that I've been looking at. Um, but honestly, it's tough because, you know, you're doing the business side, I'm doing the content side, I'm doing the social media. So um, the sky's the limit, really. And um, I'm really excited for this, for this Yankees Clubhouse project. And um, the other stuff that we're, is going to start popping off is going to start coming from different places, which is going to be really cool and excited. But my focus is winning uh, winning number 28 this year. That's my only focus right now. That's a hell of a goal and a hell of a team to uh, push all your chips on the table into. Now, yeah. you know, when, when I first started working for you, a lot of it, it seemed foreign to me, you know, the whole concept of it. But, you know, stepping back now and watching everything you've built and everything you've done, it's really reminiscent to a lot of how Barstool Sports started going and and a lot of their strategies and you know looking at the sports show and looking at how you've grown do you ever look back and really kind of look back in amazement and shock of how far you've come and how far there still is to go never oh oh oh, i I always look at how much farther there is to go and i never look back i never look back for a second i am very i am very self-deprecating I am always losing to whoever it is because I want to be better. Sometimes I have to 
you know, leave social media because it, it, Twitter can be a dangerous place, you know. Um, but also, no, it's um, I think Barstool Sports is kind of how I wanted to approach it because when it, when you look when you look at Portnoy and what he did. Um, he's a genius and um, he what he really did was he went all in on the Patriots and he expanded expanded his brand that way and you know my thought process was oh we're going to do the same thing with the Yankees well the Yankees haven't won in five years six years and I thought I'd be uh, a little more interested in that but I do like adding comedy to it all some people don't know when I'm joking some people do some people say this that and the other thing about me which know at, at this point I, I could care less um i've been so far into it but uh, i am i am uh really excited about talent that i'm bringing on soon that are that it's just really it's i like being on camera i like talking I, it's honestly i like talking in the podcast format a little bit more too now i'm getting old dylan i'm getting old. <laughs> I'm, I'm 31 now so it's a lot it's a lot easier to uh sit back and you know just just take it all in but there's I'm I I'm looking for talent I'm looking for people that are that are funny that work hard um and that want to be on this thing when it does take off because you could say yeah sure oh you've done so much but really I have I mean I built a following of people who really care about it, but that doesn't mean the following is huge. But I wanted to—I want it to be tight knit before uh, before anything, because followers who really aren't passionate and stay with you—they're here today and gone tomorrow. So uh, I think it's really important to build that like base that knows, like, oh, this guy will literally lay it all on the line. And he's out bullshitting. Excuse my language, but uh, um, yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I am really excited for the future. Um, but I'm also excited uh, about other people coming up. And I really like seeing people succeed. So seeing you succeed with your podcast and everything you do um, is really exciting. And I, I, I wish the best for you. And I wish the best for everybody in the media that's really trying to go after it because. It's not easy. This market is not easy, an easy market. This industry is not easy. You don't get paid um, and you don't get patted on the back all the time. It's a grind every single day. But the people that do make it are the ones that say, hey, I'm not look, I'm not worried about the analytics. I'm worried about being genuine and authentic. So I think that's really important. Well, that was a hell of an answer. And thank you for all the kind words. And it's you're right. It is a grind. I've seen it at a young age and I think that it's uh, it's pretty evident with this uh, industry. But, you know, before we wrap up here, one question I ask every guest who comes on this show is, when it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, God. <laughs> um, whew, what do I want my legacy to be? Um, I, honestly, genuinely, truthfully, I just want to be like known as a good person. And honestly, when, when it, I know it's as crazy as it sounds, but, uh, you know, people see different sides of me and I argue about sports because it's sports. You're supposed to be arguing about sports, but I want to be known as a genuinely good person. Um, somebody that, 
isn't taken too seriously. But uh, yeah, overall, just good person, um, did it the right way. Um, there's a lot of people in this industry that'll send you down, uh, sell you down a river, sell those, their souls to the devil, this that, and the other thing. But like, it's really important to be uh, to remember who you are and what you came from and what you're brought up on. So I think that's really important. That's a phenomenal answer, and that's really all you can ask for in life. Now, the last question here, maybe the hardest: If you could be any kind of boat, what kind of boat would you be, and why? Well, a boat's a boat, but a mystery box can be anything. It can even be a boat. Um, you know, so I, I've never been that fleet of foot, so I think it would be kind of cool to be a speedboat. It's, that's a good answer. <laughs> that was a very, very <laughs> good answer. Peter Griffin, by the way. Boat's a boat, so. I, that, you're one of the most electrifying men in sports, and it continues to amaze me. Where can the people find you and all your work? Yeah, so um, we are at the Sports Chill on Instagram, Twitter, um, TikTok. Uh, uh, I run a podcast whenever I feel like it. Sometimes it's once every two months. Sometimes it's three times in a week. But then we have um, the golf, follow the golf chill. Go to the Sports Chill Instagram page, and you'll see all of our accounts on there. Um but yeah, man, and uh, follow Yankees Clubhouse at NYY Clubhouse. But honestly, anytime, anything you need, um, appreciate the kind words, um, brother. It is always a pleasure. Thank you again for everything you've done for me to this point, And uh, thank you for all the support you've continued to provide for me. You're the bomb. You're the man. And I got to do it one time before I close out here. TheSportsChill.com. Fire, fire, fire. Thanks for listening, Love guys. It. Okay, so joining me now to close out episode 100 are two pretty big guests. Uh, my mother and my father are here. So I'm going to get started with the questions here, Mom. What did you think when I initially started this? I knew you would be successful. Um, even as a baby, you never did anything unless it was complete. When you first started interviewing people, I remember standing at the door with my ear on the door not thinking that the person you were really talking to was the real person. And I was amazed when I found out that they really were NFL agents and they were the real people. Did you think I would make it this far? To episode 100? I don't know. I guess in the middle, at the beginning, probably not. And then as probably... Maybe a month or so in, I realized that you were serious, that you were doing this and you were going after what you wanted to do. So, Dad, I'm going to spin that back to you. What did you think when I initially started this? I was shocked, baffled, and completely couldn't figure out why the hell you wanted to do something like that. Because you were so into your writing, and then all of a sudden you came up with the idea of a podcast, and it just seemed so far-fetched. And But you've turned around and amazed me because of all these different people that you have contacted and you do this all yourself. This is all you and you just impress me more and more every day. I'm very proud of you. Wow, shucks. But uh, did you guys really think I would make it this far? 
No. Not at all. You really didn't? I... In the beginning, I thought it was just a, a joke thing. It was just something you were trying. And the more you've done it, and the more that you've continued to recruit people, it just keeps going on. I'm very proud of you. Oh, thank you. Now, I'm going to go back to you here, Mom. You know, looking back, 100 episodes, I can think of a couple times I've been starstruck and amazed when I finished some of these interviews with how incredible some of these people are. But looking back, I know you guys both listen pretty actively to these. What's been your favorite episode or moment to this point? You had a lot that I loved, but I think my favorite one was Kevin Hines when he talked about suicide and living through all of that. Um, only because I listened to you talk about your lowest moment in life and it made me cry that you had that moment in life and somehow you got out of it. And I'm just very fortunate that you got yourself out of that lowest moment. I think that, uh, his story was incredible and listening to him tell it firsthand. I mean, I, I said it on this podcast. He's someone I really admired and listening to him tell it, it, it was insane. And it makes you feel like your problems are really not as big as they really are. But, uh, so dad, I'm going to ask you now, what, what was your favorite episode or moment to this point? Well, I've liked many, many of your interviews from your talking to American Idol stars, uh, talking to all these motivational speakers. Um, I like your mom. I like the Kevin Hines one. I like that Kirsty McGinnis. And I'm just very proud of you. Well, thank you. Uh, that was Kirsty Ennis, the uh, SV award for Pat Tillman <laughs> service, but I'm glad you liked it. Uh, that was pretty early on uh, in all this, and she was incredible to have on. Uh, so I'm going to ask you guys this, because I, I ask everyone who comes on, and I feel like I... Although you're special, I got to give you guys the same treatment here. So my question for you, and I'll go first, Mom. When it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? You are my legacy. That's what I want my legacy to be. You are my legacy. Oh, that was sweet. (laughs) All right, so now I'm looking for an answer from you, Dad. What do you want your legacy to be when it's all said and done? Well... My legacy is I just want to be known for being caring, helpful in any way that I can with everybody throughout life. And also to do whatever I can to help you to succeed and continue to do the best things that you're doing in life. Well, thank you guys both for doing this. It's something I just kind of wanted to get grounded and talk to both of you guys after getting to this point because I personally did not see myself making it here. There was a lot of times that I got close to saying, I don't know if I can keep doing this. And both of you have had long talks with me saying, you know, just keep going or, or take a break or do this. And I've just kept going and you guys have been my biggest supporters and my biggest fans. So I thank you both. I love you both. And, uh, I don't really know where the people can find you guys. I know I can find you both pretty easily. But, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was my mother and father. And I can't thank them enough for coming on for episode 100. My thanks to James Randazzo and uh, my phenomenal parents for coming on. James is one of the best in the industry. And it was incredible to uh, reconnect with him after so much has changed in the three years since uh, 
um, both of us stopped working together. So it was really cool to talk to him. And um, it was also amazing to talk to my parents and reflect on this incredible, incredible journey. And it really has been so surreal to have sat down with some of these people that I have grown up idolizing. Um, I cannot thank every guest who has come on this show enough. I cannot thank you guys for listening enough. Um, There have been times where it has been hard to keep going with stress, with school and life and whatnot and a whole pandemic and the listens have kept rising people have continued to enjoy this product and i have continued to have so so much fun making it and i cannot thank you guys enough for your constant support i really mean this from the bottom of my heart there would be no ambitious without you guys listening every week and i can't thank you guys enough um you know where to find us uh continue to listen it is been so much fun creating this and there is so so much more to come um two incredible interviews coming out in the next two weeks that were a lot of fun to make um i sat down with a former politician for one of the most polarizing interviews i have ever done and i also sat down with one of the smartest minds in football two insane interviews and both of those will be coming up in the next two weeks and uh so so much more to come can't thank everybody enough and uh this has been episode 100 of ambitious have a wonderful wonderful week ambitious listeners